Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors of Strategy Page discuss current events with a splash of history. I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk. With me today is the editor of Strategy Page, well-known military author and game designer, Jim Dunnigan. Also joining us is the associate editor of Strategy Page, columnist and author, Austin Bay. Welcome, Austin and Jim. The Afghanistan decision to pull out has been a uh, you know, the pullout has been over a, nearly a month, I guess not over a month, but nearly a month since uh, the full pullout happened. What's the current condition of things in Afghanistan, Jim? Chaos. Uh, as, as we explained you know, before this, you know, last for years, that there's always been a division within the Taliban. And now, you know, even Pakistan is admitting it. Um they managed to go in there. They sent in General Hamidi. Well, they didn't actually send him in. That's another problem I'll get to. Uh, the head of the ISI to make sure that the new government of Afghanistan was stacked, as it were, with pro-Pakistan you know, people. Uh, that led to gunfire at one point. Uh, you know, one of the anti-Pakistan uh, worthies was apparently wounded but got away alive. Um, and, uh, you know, the uh, Pakistan got what they wanted. But then General Hamid, when he went back to Pakistan, was summoned to uh, Army headquarters and uh, told to appear before the attorney, the adjutant general as the chief legal officer uh, in the military. And before he could enter the compound, his flag was removed from his car, you know, saying that he was, you know, uh, ISI commander. And he marched into the Asian general who said, you're being charged with insubordination because basically all of his visits and actions um, in Afghanistan after the Taliban takeover, as it were, were not authorized. And so, uh, you know, he immediately was allowed to leave and he went back and uh, basically petitioned the commander of the military for a pardon, uh, which was granted apparently on condition that he basically follow orders in the future. Now, what that bodes, who knows? But Hamid has been humiliated, as it were. Uh, that did not change things inside of Afghanistan, where there was infighting uh, between the, <coughs> the pro-Pakistan and uh, <coughs> anti-Pakistan Taliban factions. Now, even before the uh, the Afghan Taliban, which is controlled by, was created by and controlled by Pakistan since the mid-90s, uh, there were there was a civil war, as it were, uh, in the uh, in the Taliban, and there were already factions, mostly in the western uh, uh, Afghanistan, uh, that are still basically uh, independent. Uh, they're they're lying low. Apparently, they're taking instructions from Iran, which is quite concerned about the situation in. Um, uh, Afghanistan, because apparently, the despite the promises of the Taliban that they would not oppress, as it were, uh, Shia, which make up about 20% of the population, um, that is already starting to happen. Now, the Taliban insists that this is being done by dissident elements. They're blaming it on former soldiers of the, uh, the previous uh, government. Of course, a lot of those soldiers had already been bought off by the uh, Taliban and were informally members of the Taliban. Now they're officially members of the Taliban, and they see that as a license to steal. So they're roaming around various cities, seizing the cars and the homes and whatever else they can carry away uh, as their reward for, you know, loyal or being on the right side, as it were, of this uh, this takeover. Um, he, Pakistan is, is now uh, pleading poverty. For Afghanistan, because we've frozen their assets, as it were, which is all you know, American aid money, ten billion dollars worth in foreign banks. The Taliban uh, then went to uh, Europe and you know, basically pled poverty. Hey, you know, this this health system, the education system, all these things that were set that were existing when we took over are now falling apart. Well, partially they're falling apart because of Taliban orders. For example, women can no longer go to school. They said they can go to the university, but in separate classes. Uh, they, they basically stopped education for women at the age of, uh, once they reach the age of, you know, seven, you know, in other words, they get basic literacy if they're lucky. Um, 
and the amputations are taking uh, part again, places again for thieves that are caught, or anyone who displeases the Taliban. Uh, so basically, the country is more out of control uh, than when the Taliban were not in power, and it's not going to get any better. You know, a basic problem, which is different from uh, 2001, when the Taliban, you know, were run out, you know, within a month, is that people have come to realize that the, uh, you know, a lot of people denied it, that at first they saw the Taliban, you know, because these were basically Taliban uh, religious school students in Taliban, it's the plural. Um, they saw them as an end to the civil war, which had been going on since the, the Russians pulled their aid in the, 1992, and the guy they left behind, the communist uh, leader of Afghanistan, uh, which the Russians got involved with in the first place. There was a minority, it was a coup in uh, against the king um, uh, in 1979, and a communist government took over, pro-Russian, obviously, or Russian-backed. Um, and uh, it wasn't as much the, the, the majority of Afghans who were rebelling against a communist uh, leadership, although that was a big part of it because the, the communists were vowed, you know, uh, uh, anti-religion, uh, but that the, uh, you know, the arrangement that had brought relative peace to Afghanistan for about 200 years, whereby they they formed a kingdom, where the uh, the king or the the, the the king was always a pushtun, uh, and they would hold jurgas. These are uh, these are convocations of the the senior you know tribal and religious leaders uh, would basically well. So they had basically a religious dictatorship, but the deal was the tribes were left to do whatever they wanted to do, and the, the uh, king, the, the, uh, the Kabul, would handle foreigners. And it was pretty successful. Uh, then Russia got greedy, and it went downhill from there. Now, that means that the, uh, the, Taliban, the Taliban have basically perpetuated uh, a four-decade-long war, and it's not over. They said, hey, if we take over... Uh, peace will come to Afghanistan. Well, not only did peace not come to Afghanistan, but the uh, the tremendous you know advances in GDP, in healthcare, in education, literacy rates went up. Uh, the the uh, average lifespan went up. They were no longer the the lowest in Eurasia. Now they're a little ahead of Bangladesh, but rapidly slipping back to their uh, traditional last place. That's disappearing. Now, as we pointed out in strategy page over the years, a lot of people who made enough money basically got out. So a lot of these refugees you saw coming in uh, for the last, you know, uh, 20 years were Afghans uh, who were basically doing well, but they realized that the, the bad guys could come back at any time. Uh, the Taliban were basically financed by the uh, heroin cartels, as I call them, because that's what they are. Uh, they still are at the mercy, not just of the uh, the Taliban, but of Pakistan, because the the the, the deal with the, the drug gangs was they would not only pay off the Taliban, and they did pay a lot of their bills, uh, but they also paid enormous quantities of cash to the Pakistani military, or ISI, in order to get the necessary chemicals and explosives later uh, smuggled in uh, through one of the two major gateways. One of them is, is uh, opposite, uh, you know, Helmand, it's on Helmand, Province border in Baluchistan. Um, and we complained about that, that, uh, you know, they were constantly moving in these, these chemicals for opium into heroin. Um, and nothing was being done about it. Uh, Pakistan was eventually called out, and uh, their aid was cut in uh, 2018. And uh, you know things have been rough uh, for uh, Pakistan ever since. The Pakistanis hope to uh, basically be the good guys here, but they are in, in at risk, as it were, of being uh, tagged as a uh, blacklister. In other words, someone who is definitely a supporter of uh, international terrorism, which they've been doing in in, uh, in Kashmir in India uh, and, and elsewhere in India uh, for over 30 years. Um, so, you know, there are no winners in this particular change of government, 
the the original plan, which was, was going to have all American troops removed by uh, May first, uh, which was was changed, you know, to September 11th. That basically gave the uh, the Taliban and, and the ISI uh, encouragement that they could make a grant for it all because the Americans were obviously not going to follow the original plan, which kept money going to the uh, the Afghan security forces as you know as as weak as they were. They were basically holding off the um, the Taliban, and they were they were putting the hurt on the drug gangs, not as much as we would want. But the idea was we would keep them going as long as they kept up the resistance and maintained a government the West could do business with. Well, that's poof, that's gone. Um, and now the Taliban are trying to pull, uh, you know plead uh, poverty or it's in our fault. And of course, the problem uh, is that any aid you send to the Taliban. You have no control over how it is allocated. In other words, uh, most of the aid is food aid, some medical aid. It's supposed to go to all Taliban, or at least the, the all Afghans, the ones in, in particular need of the food, because you know the Afghanistan population has grown enormously, almost doubled uh, since uh, 2001. Um, and uh, a lot of that, uh, the poverty, is because a lot of that aid money was stolen. The Taliban will not be any different. Uh, so I think the Taliban raised about a billion dollars in aid. Whether or not all of it will be delivered remains to be seen because a lot of European countries are finally realizing that they're on the wrong side. Uh, any support, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the wisdom, uh, utility of any support for uh, the Taliban, you know, it's like Somalia. You know, the problem with Afghanistan is it's a failed state. It's always been a failed state. Um, Traditionally, it was basically divided up between when, when there was something worth having, like the, the Silk Road, which basically disappeared because the Europeans brought in uh, sailing ships that could deliver the goods between East and West more efficiently and safely. Uh, you know, Taliban, the, uh, everybody pulled out of uh, Afghanistan because there was no there there. And like I say, about two centuries ago, the, the Afghans took it upon themselves because they were tired of being played with by Russia and anybody else who thought they could get a piece of the action. Um, and they formed the, uh, the, the illusionary, the illusionary uh, you know, kingdom of Afghanistan. Um, so, you know, and this is unraveling even faster than anyone expected. Uh, the Pakistanis are acting surprised that there's so much resistance to uh, Pakistani influence in Afghanistan. They shouldn't be, and they are, and they aren't. It's like saying, you know, for for years that oh, we don't know where Bin Laden is, and then when we finally found him, uh, the, basically the army and the and the ISA took a big hit. Uh, they have since taken over the government. The guy who was in uh, charge now, uh, uh, Imran Khan, uh, was a former uh, cricket uh, star cricket uh, sportsman. He retired in the 80s and decided to enter politics. He found out the only allies he could get were the religious parties uh, in Pakistan, who were not the minority, but they were powerful. And uh, he eventually got approached by the military, and they said, look, we'll back you. We'll make sure you get elected, which he did. Uh, and, and we'll make sure you stay in power because the army is then pushed through parliament uh, any number of uh, laws which is growing, outlawing uh, you know news that the uh, army does not approve of. This including uh, internet you know bloggers, um, and uh, uh, that has had some success so far. But the problem is uh, not only is the government in Afghanistan illegitimate, uh, the legitimacy of the uh, uh, the Pakistan government is being called into question. In fact, you know, the, the, the CIA knew in the 1990s that the, the, the ISI and the army were going full, you know, uh, pro-terrorist. Uh, you know, one guy told me, um, he was no longer with the CIA, uh, that he was over there on a, on a, on a, a how should I put it, an inspection visit, and he wandered into the uh, headquarters of the, I don't know if it was the army or just the, the ISI, and the screensavers on, you know, uh, computers that, you know, that were not being used at the moment uh, tended to flash uh, terrorist leaders. Uh, so 
Uh, you know, they made no secret of it, but they figured as long as we can get away with it. Well, they got about $30 billion in aid uh, from the uh, United States before, you know, the plug got pulled in uh, 2018. Um, and uh, so they saw this as their opportunity to recoup, but it's blown up in their faces. It's blown up in everybody's faces. It's, it's, it's made the American government look like a bunch of, you know, incompetence. And it's made, you know, the, the Taliban guilty of China, which is supposed to be the possible savior of uh, Afghanistan, because they already had you know, deals, as it were, with the former government uh, to, uh, to basically exploit the mineral uh, wealth, uh, which is apparently worth over a trillion dollars. But nobody could ever get it out, and nobody's ever going to get it out. The Chinese were waiting for you know some sort of order to re- be restored, and they're still waiting. They're not going to go in. They're not going to help. This is that they're. This is how they operate, uh, unless they can get something uh, approaching the security they managed to uh, force from the uh, the Pakistanis, where the Pakistanis have have basically established. A, uh, a a a separate army of thirty thousand troops just to defend uh, Chinese workers. Now it's, here's another thing that really uh, uh, is unhappy uh, makes uh, uh, Pakistanis unhappy. Uh, more and more Chinese workers are coming in to basically do this Silk Road work and whatnot. And the current estimates are that by you know in the next four years there'll be about five million Chinese. In Pakistan, this is unpopular because now they're saying, well, you know, we're basically a subsidiary of China Incorporated. Of course, now China has its own problems. The long-awaited or long-feared real estate bubble is starting to uh, burst, as it were. There's uh, there's one, uh, the second largest uh, uh, corporation, as it were, uh, in China. Uh, has about $300 billion in bonds they can't pay off. Uh, they managed to squeeze by, uh, sc- uh, scrape up enough cash with a little help from the government to uh, uh, pay off the ones that came due uh, now. Uh, but there are more coming due, and the Chinese government is being much very careful. They're going to try to rescue. In other words, it's the old too big to fail uh, problem. But the problem is, and I know from observing what happened to Japan in the 1990s, the uh, the the uh, real estate bubble, you know, uh, uh, basically slowed down the Japanese economy uh, for you know considerably. They were they were uh, predicted to be the biggest economy in the world, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that came to a screeching halt, and um, uh, they managed to uh, you know uh, how should I put it, uh, tame or, or you know uh, prevent. A total meltdown, uh, but that required a long-term plan, which they're still uh, carrying out. The Chinese basically tried to set up their own, uh, and but they found out that one of the uh, the four banks they had established to do that uh, was uh, run by a guy who was a trusted, you know, senior official who was totally corrupt. He had stolen you know, over a hundred million dollars. They executed him earlier this year. Um, so everybody's got problems. Uh, all because of efforts to basically uh, get a piece of Afghanistan. You know, it's like the poison cake. That's one piece of cake you don't want to touch, much less eat. And there it stands. So, Austin, was there anything that we could have done or the U.S. could have done that would have mitigated the problems that we're seeing now? Let me make a comment about what uh, Jim just uh, described. Uh, Jim, uh, that is the best summary I have heard anywhere, uh, and most honest in the last in the last uh, five six weeks about the situation that is now extant in uh, in Afghanistan. I want, but the comment on about the Chinese. The Chinese are doing everything they can to give the perception that uh, th- they are <clears throat> willing uh, to cooperate with uh, the, the Taliban and uh, build, uh, continue to build their uh, Belt and Road initiative uh, through Afghanistan. That's, uh, and I think they're going to do that, continue to do it, whether they actually uh, lay the money out and put the uh, – personnel in uh, to do the constru- uh, construction because it um, it has p- 
as they see it, positive uh, diplomatic and narrative warfare uh, uh, effects elsewhere in the world, both in Central Asia and also in the China's uh, uh, Cold War struggle with uh, the free world. Uh, they, uh, you know, it keeps bringing up. I'm getting back to Dan's question now. It, it will keep the uh, debacle of the uh, U.S. Uh, withdrawal in everyone's mind. And that is a useful, well, in this case, it's a useful uh, truth for, for uh, uh, Chinese, uh, Chinese propagandists, because that was a uh, humiliating debacle. And uh, I'm leaping ahead on my answer to Dan. That one of the issues is, and it's a deep issue, this is what the Chinese are being exploiting. You cannot, the, 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 their bottom line with that is you cannot rely on the United States as an ally. And they will use that uh, with India. Uh, they will try to use it with South Korea and Japan. They will definitely use it uh, with Taiwan. And then in the uh, general chaos of uh, Central Asia and parts of Southwest Asia, they will also use it there. Uh, and that is, uh, in, in my view, one of the uh, near-term, mid-term, and uh, I don't know in the long range there are ways for the U.S. to recoup. But uh, near term uh, and, and mid term, that is a diplomatic advantage for the Chinese. All right. And, and to get back to your question, the, uh, the answer, Dan, is yes. And I, I've written about this. Uh, heck, I've got it somewhere in here because I was going to go and, yeah, here it is non combatant evacuation operations, NEO. There is a a joint pamphlet on it that shows you exactly how to do it. I was involved in a practice, small level, NEO exercise. I think the first one was uh, in 1975 when I was a, a lieutenant in uh, Germany. It was uh, one where be getting uh, families out of uh, out of West Germany uh, in anticipation of a of a Soviet attack. Uh, I can think of two other ones that I was at least peripherally involved in, but I certainly have had the uh, experience of going through how one plans uh, a, a non-combatant evacuation operation. And uh, heck, uh, it's something that if you serve as a plans officer, which I did, uh, you uh, know that there's uh, well, there's an outline, but there's more than an outline. There's a lot of experience with uh, with with neos. Now, most of the most of the ones that I am I'm familiar with are they're they're much less complicated and they're much less smaller scale than Afghanistan. But nevertheless, all the pieces are there, similar pieces to it. And before I start this, uh, it's much easier if you've got a sea, a coastline or a seaport, because then you have uh, naval, naval capacity and Navy helicopters, uh, carriers, amphibious assault ships are absolutely uh, ideal for it. But you also can extract uh, people, uh, personnel, equipment uh, in, on uh, on ships. You don't have that in Afghanistan. It's landlocked and it's huge. But here's what uh, here's what I wrote, uh, and this was a couple of weeks ago, in, in my uh, Creator Syndicate column, what which runs its on point on strategy page. The debacle's principal component was a non-combatant evacuation operation. By U.S. doctrine, the State Department serves as the lead agency in the NEO. However, withdrawal from a combat zone requires military forces to maintain security, which means the state and defense departments must constantly coordinate with allies in planning the evacuation and in all phases of the execution. I don't think that happened. In fact, as I see very little evidence that there was constant coordination. And that's even before the 
lack of planning, all right? Moreover, in a complex situation like Afghanistan, the U.S. president must be willing to send military reinforcements to respond to surprises, like unanticipated enemy attacks. Now, gee, doesn't that sound like a no-brainer? Why? Because your situation that you have extant is a stalemated civil war. It's a combat zone. All right. Next line, an experienced planner can sketch a basic neo-plan in 10 minutes, one designed to set conditions favorable to a successful evacuation. And I proceed to do that in the column. And understand that this is really uh, a, a one and a half paragraph sketch is what it amounts to. The following are some of the key elements. Identify and secure evacuation corridors. Now, I don't go into detail on that, but common sense tells you ground evacuation as well as air evacuation. There's another term that shows up in evacuation corridors. Sometimes they've been called humanitarian corridors. That's so you can move aid and move people uh, safely. But an evacuation corridor for, for people, hey, it's a, a humanitarian corridor is what it is. In a landlocked territory like Afghanistan, secure multiple airports. That's one of your goals, even if that means temporarily sending in more troops. Why? Because you're evacuating from air bases, airheads. I don't mean an airhead, Dan, but an airhead, which is a term used especially when you're uh, entering uh, a, 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 a territory. You seize an airport, it becomes an airhead instead of a beachhead. But the same thing, look at it, uh, at it in reverse. Why? If you only have one air base for extraction, you have created a target opportunity. All right. Now you stock these air bases with food and medical supplies. Why? Because you're pulling human beings out from where they live. They're going to be waiting at the air base and who knows what you're going to need. They may also be surrounded. Understand when you're doing this, you're, you're preparing for the evacuation. In military operations, you're preparing the battlefield. It's what you're doing. All right, now you alert and start staging airlift assets, or you can do that simultaneously as soon as you begin the planning. Meaning in the United States, you're talking to Transcom and the U.S. Air Force with its transports. All right, but these air assets can include commercial and contract aircraft. State Department consular teams, and I know oh, this was done on a limited basis. We can see that, but near Kabul. I'll start again. State Department consular teams, protected by security units if necessary, seek out American citizens. The State Department surges special immigrant visa processing and arranges for third country havens for SIV and non-citizen evacuees. What processing cannot occur in country, safe havens can handle. This has been done before. This isn't new. And something I didn't include in there is the State Department is also securing uh, air, air routes, overflight uh, uh, permission, in case there's you need multiple corridors in order to extract by air. Now, here's the next thing I say. Many of these sub-operations could have begun April 14th, the day Biden gave the withdrawal order. Next paragraph, common sense advice. Don't, let, don't set firm dates for completing the evacuation if you can avoid it. Tipping off the enemy is a bad idea. Got that, Dan? Withdraw security forces based on the threat. As the evacuation nears completion, the military begins to, quote, shrink the perimeter. I use that. That actually showed up in, in uh, other, uh, other media while maintaining punitive strike back capability. Now, that's, yeah, that's uh, on a, a couple of weeks ago. You can find it uh, on strategy page and uh, the on point uh, archive for uh, 2021. Now, I think that gives you, and I'm, I, Dan, this is not our arcane knowledge. 
uh, without playing, hey, I, I told you so, I got about three emails in the middle of July from one from a, a reader who, uh, and, then, and then a couple from friends of mine said, Austin, what should we be doing? And I basically that that long paragraph uh, I uh, uh, took out of uh, uh, the email I sent to the two guy to the two two friends of mine who asked me. Uh, there's it's not a secret. Why was it not done? Now, I've I've written this in several places, not as as bluntly as I did in a a long uh, essay I did for the Dallas Morning News that ran in the uh, September 12th edition of the Morning News. It's at some point the uh, rights to it will come back uh, fully to me, and you know, if, if you want, we can put a link up or put it up on uh, strategy page. It was supposed to be when I, I got the phone call from the uh, editorial page editor, a look back over 20 years at uh, Afghanistan, uh, and in part because uh, the Morning News ran a, a column I wrote on 9-11, my uh, Creator Syndicate column, which I got to my editor in L.A. about 2 or 3 in the afternoon, Central Time, so it was on the Associated Press wire, and a bunch of newspapers around the country ran it the next day, the Morning News among them. But this editorial page editor had read it, and she thought it was prescient, quite accurate. Why don't you write a longer one, maybe a thousand, twelve hundred words, and and uh, you know do a look back? And I said, sure, I'll do it. And that was about the middle of July. <laughs> things, uh, it's clearly things are not going well. But by the time uh, I had sat down to uh, write it towards the end of August, I had to write a completely different kind of essay. And one of the things I highlighted in there is the Reuters report that uh, really came out. I included it because uh, it, the Reuters report came out, I think, on the 31st of August, and I had to turn this in on the 2nd of September, was uh, uh, an extract from a, a July 23rd phone call that Biden had with uh, the then uh, Afghan uh, president Ghani uh, where he said it's you got to you got to change the perception everybody it seems everything's going wrong you got to basically he was telling him to act like uh, everything was okay in other words political optics narrative overrode uh, how you conduct how to conduct and also have the flexibility to respond to conditions by leaders. They had a scheme laid out. One of the bad optics they wanted to avoid was reinforcing, even though they ended up having to do that. Uh, and one of the bad optics they could have easily avoided was keeping multiple airports, including Bagram, which was actually the, should have been the center of the extraction. I've been to that place twice. I mean, it's huge and it's impressive and it can handle uh, any any kind of uh, uh, of aircraft with almost any kind of load uh, uh, aboard it. And you've got space to do, uh, space to house it temporarily. My wild guess is is that in in safe conditions, over a hundred thousand people. Maybe 120. That's when I get back into that uh, that uh, neo outline plan that I, I gave you. That you have uh, food and and water and medical resources, and that already existed at Bagram because it was in the warehouses. That was that is they've all been uh, plundered now, uh, not just by the Taliban but by locals. But you already had it. You didn't have to go put it. In, in Bagram. So what I see here is is a complete uh, incompetence, ignoring basic common sense, uh, military and uh, uh, diplomatic knowledge because of the way they wanted this to be perceived, the withdrawal to be perceived in, in terms of do, for domestic political advantage. And that has led to military debacles in the past. I guess it will. I know it will do it again. But that's what uh, I see as as happening uh, 
especially the, once the decision was made by the Biden administration that they were not going to be providing air support for Afghan National Army, the Afghan National Army. The other component about this is uh, lack of coordination with allies. You had uh, Boris Johnson, and he wasn't the only one, Macron in uh, in, in, in France, but Johnson was the pithiest about it. He said he couldn't believe that the United States, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but the United States had done this without uh, talking to its closest allies. And he meant, he meant the UK and France, despite all the uh, you know, spats they get into. The UK and France and, and, uh, and Canada, uh, we, we didn't talk to the Japanese either or the Australians. I mean, I'm going through the list. It's jaw-dropping. And one of the uh, constant the, the, the constant accusations laid at Trump was that he's ticking off the allies. Uh, ticking off, all right, let's say that he was doing that, but he wasn't selling them out. And that's the way the, uh, that's, that's the way Johnson, uh, that was the thrust of, 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 of uh, his, his critique at the time. And uh, note one of the things I've got in that paragraph. I know th this could sound ex post facto, except it's not. It's those, that coordination with allies, that's in that uh, joint PAM. Um, I could go look the number up, Dan. It's it's. I probably I don't I don't think I have uh, a, a a PDF of it on my computer or not. But you know I've I've read it. I've wondered if uh, Anthony Blinken had ever read it. I mean the, the Secretary of State. Uh, in part, it, it, why? Oh, somebody else has read it. Well, now you're Secretary of State, and this is a major operation where you're the lead agency. Why don't you, since you're the head of the lead agency, at least look, and so you could be able to, to with some degree of authority, uh, look at the military's plan. I don't know that he wanted to. Now, I'm speculating now, but I, he sure, I listened to about three hours of his uh, testimony before the uh, uh, Senate, and it, it was there were a lot of deer-in-the-headlight deer moments. So... Uh, I already hit it, picked, uh, uh, you know, picking up on what Jim had said about the uh, the, the chaos and, and complication there, about how I see the Chinese using the uh, the debacle to their uh, political advantage, but it, it and, and I just don't see the UK and Australia and Canada. Uh, <coughs> uh, Dropping, uh, listening their alliance with the United States or Japan, but nevertheless, harm's been done. Uh, France is going to do what France is going to do, but France is still going to be a U.S. ally. But this hurt, and it uh, puts a certainly a lot of doubt in the minds of uh, our allies as long as the Biden administration exists. And especially if, if there's no personal political uh, uh, penalty for uh, the incompetence and possible dereliction of duty. Uh, so uh, one other thing I'll add before we uh, move on, the, the statement that we're going to conduct over the horizon uh, counter-terror operations. Uh, you can do that if you've got a coastline like Somalia in part because you can quickly land and retrieve uh, on the ground uh, special operations personnel to uh, coordinate with uh, local intelligence assets on the ground. You can have all kinds of, uh, of airborne, space-borne surveillance, and, but it still takes a long time, relatively speaking, for a missile, you're talking about using uh, missiles, or even an aircraft, possibly an aircraft returning to launch a strike. Uh, there's a, a lag between sensor and uh, targeting, firing the uh, sensor targeting, and then actually uh, firing, uh, firing the weapon. And there is also a vast room 
for making mistakes, and uh, at least one, probably both of the of the strikes that were launched uh, that were supposedly killed uh, ISIS K uh, a terrorist. One of them they, they killed innocent people and uh, a bunch of children, and that's when you still had personnel on the ground to check it out. This is a it's it's perception more of the Biden administration uh, creating the perception that we know what we're doing, and they really don't, because uh, it's you can strike back at long range, but the effect of it is not any kind of precision. It's a, just a punitive strike, and you're going to be pounding the chaotic situation that Jim described. So, I'll, uh, I think I've uh, I'll turn it back over to you and Dunnigan now. So, Jim, the chaos will continue until, or is this forever? Well, in in Afghanistan, you know, um, things can get infinitely worse. Uh, The Afghan pledge to uh, keep foreign terrorists out is obviously false. There have already been attacks in um, in Afghanistan, which ISIL. Uh, RISK, Islamic State, you know, Khorasan province, have taken credit for. There's also been attacks which are being blamed on dissident factions of the Taliban. Uh, the uh, the Panjir resistance, as it were, uh, the Masoods, uh, they basically are, are still active, but they're basically bowing out because when they tried to hold on to the Panjir Valley, they found themselves under heavy attack from Pakistan. Now, that's been denied. But uh, Panjir Valley is close enough for uh, Pakistani UAVs and you know other aircraft to come in there and provide air support. And they basically decided, you know, with no outside support yet, uh, they might as well just, you know, uh, pull back and wait for the situation to become more favorable. I mean, that's what happened in the late 1990s. The Taliban were getting, uh, you know, uh, less and less able to control the what uh, what parts of the country they did control. In fact, they they were still hosting Al Qaeda, and one way, one way Al Qaeda paid its way, as it were, was uh, most recruits uh, who had passed through Al Qaeda training had to serve a, a few months in what the Taliban called the Arab Brigade. Uh, these were used to attack. Uh, dissident Afghans, and it was better to do it with the Arabs because if they used, uh, well, first of all, they might not get uh, a, you know Afghans willing to do it, uh, and if they did, they weren't going to start a a feud between tribes. That's one reason why the tribes try to avoid you know getting involved with wars with each other. Uh, and more and more, the uh, the Afghan Taliban are going to realize that they have to fight. Pakistan, and Pakistan can't afford a fight. Uh, so it's it's going to evolve into a more chaotic and more violent situation. And uh, the key, as it has always been, is Pakistan. Uh, Pakistan is coming up with the next review as to whether or not it gets on the the, uh, the foreign supporters of the uh, 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 terrorism uh, blacklist. They're on the gray list now, but if they go on the blacklist. Uh, the, they basically are locked out of the international financial system, and the Chinese are going to bail them out. Uh, all their lenders, so to speak, uh, they know, and they don't ever have any credit, whether it be from the uh, the Saudis. Uh, Iran never had any money to help them, uh, but Iran is apparently well. Iran had already before this happened had started forming a Shia militia, uh, recruited from the thousands of Afghan uh, Shia. Who had volunteered to be uh, mercenaries in in uh, in Syria? Now, at one point, the uh, the Iran offered to settle these men and their families in uh, Syria, but they said no, thanks. We'll take our chances back in uh, Afghanistan. That worried the the, uh, the uh, Iranians, but then they realized it's an opportunity. Uh, they had already been given some support to uh, dissident. Uh, Taliban factions, uh, which was admitted as where that was a known factor, uh, and there's apparently more of that. But the, the Iranians basically are waiting for the situation to develop to the point where they can really, you know, gain something by committing, as it were. But they did the same thing in Yemen for years before they actually came out and said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, we're running it." And of course, for the last year or so, the uh, the many uh, Shia rebels are literally being run 
by an Al-Quds, a former Al-Quds uh, Quds force, General Quds forces, the Air Force of the, uh, in, of the Iranian uh, in, uh, Revolutionary Guard Corps uh, that protects the religious dictatorship and basically specializes in this managing, you know, foreign uh, interventions. And currently these are going on in Syria, Lebanon, Iraq, um, and uh, Yemen. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're not going well. In fact, they had their budget cut sharply uh, after uh, 2018 when the the economic sanctions came back, Um, and they still haven't recovered from that because they lost a lot of people, locals, because they could no longer pay their salaries. Uh, The biggest uh, money, you know, know, hole, as it were, black hole, was in Lebanon, where they not only paid for thousands of uh, Hezbollah, you know, armed, uh, you know, regulars, uh, but for a uh, bureaucracy which gave the uh, the, the uh, Hezbollah a lot of control, political control, in uh, Lebanon. They've lost that, and the basically the Hezbollah is saying, you know, we're not taking any more attack orders from Iran until we stabilize our position in uh, in Lebanon, and that's not that's not getting any better. Uh, so, you know, Iran's got problems. They don't want to make them worse by getting actively involved in Afghanistan. But when they see the time is ripe, as it were, uh, they will intervene unofficially and if it, if it goes well for them officially. So we might go back to the, the thousands of year old you know, rivalry between the uh, Persians and the, uh, the Indians, as it were. Uh, now the Indians are represented by the uh, about the Pakistani uh, over, you know, taking control of parts of uh, Afghanistan that that can pay for themselves, as it were. They aren't going to be, you know, basically a, a money pay. Um, but that is unlikely. In fact, India was supporting the elected government. They 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 have several billion dollars worth of investments in there. Uh, Pakistan blames all the uh, the violence going on in and uh, in Afghanistan now on the Indians, but that 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 story no longer has any credibility whatsoever. Um, and uh, the Indians are basically just winning. Says, look, you know, we're willing to help as, as, at at the time that there's something. You know, we're not going to support terrorism and uh, or any you know uh, Afghan civil war. Uh, somebody else is going to have to carry that water because they realize that if they get involved in everything uh, in supporting militarily, you know, uh, you know, Afghan factions, uh, that they would earn more enmity uh, from the uh, from the Afghan population because the Hindus are are seen by Muslims in general as the worst enemy of Islam, mainly because when they try to conquer all of uh, of India. Uh, uh, Tamerlane in particular, who was a Turk, but you know he was he was leading a a Mongol army. Um, they basically made their best effort, and they couldn't conquer the entire country. Uh, and in fact, they weakened it to the point where when the British and French came along, uh, the British were able basically to go in there and pass, you know, like the conquistadors in America with the Aztecs and the uh, the Inca. Uh, they basically, you know, went to different factions and made deals and what have you. And they basically took control of the country for about a century, uh, you know, without a heck of a lot of uh, damage and actually improved the country because they basically unified it for the first time and and started the industrial. Industrial Revolution, which which India was no uh, nowhere near, you know, getting started, you know, in the late 19th century or even the early 20th century. So, you know, the National Railroad of India, a lot of the uh, the economic, uh, you know, uh, uh, aspects of it, uh, they can trace right back to the uh, the British. So they no longer complain about the British. It's not as fashionable as it used to be to complain about the British because the basic as as conquerors go, uh, the, the British will often do more good than harm. Um, but the, uh, it is always unpopular. You know, if we're going to be, you know, ruled by uh, by tyrants uh, and and bloodthirsty tyrants at that, we'd rather they be our own, not some foreigners. And that's something that's universal. Um, so that's why, you know, none of the people involved, the external factors, especially Pakistan, want to get directly involved uh, in Afghanistan. And they're going to basically, right now, allow the Afghans to fight it out among themselves. And uh, basically, the the, Af- the Afghans are desperate for aid, and they're basically uh, taking the plea that, 
hey, we killed our parents, we're orphans, we need help. Uh, and a lot of, like I say, a lot of the foreign aid donors, the major donors, especially the United States, but also Europe, they're realizing that, that that doesn't really work. It didn't work in Somalia. That's where Somalia lost a lot of its foreign aid. It didn't work in Yemen, where Yemen lost a lot of its foreign aid, because it was basically, most of it was going to financing the uh, the Iranian-backed Shia rebels. Um so it does not look good for Afghanistan. Of course, it's never looked good for Afghanistan uh, in times of uh, tumult. Um, and, uh, you know, a, a lot of Afghans are now, you know, wistfully referring to the good old days when the when somebody else was in charge. Um, and they may eventually get their wish, but it won't come easily or bloodlessly. Dan, let me well, add, some, let, add something to that. Yeah, quickly. Okay, look, there's going to be a, a ton of problems created by at least the the, the notional control of the uh, of the Taliban. Uh, get the latest out, you know, in the last 24 hours is that senior leaders are, are calling for, you know, more executions of and uh, amputations for crimes, you know, cutting off hands, fingers uh, and the like. And you're going to have something that, <clears throat> boy, this would go back about 20 years, the Bamiyan effect. Remember the Bamiyan Buddhas that were yeah. uh, they're blown up, which were, you know, they were a, a world, UNESCO world um uh, artifact, I forget the way the term treasure, and they really were, were remarkable, uh, remarkable uh, sculptures. And the Taliban used it uh, as used them as uh, as for target practice because, well, it gets back to what Jim was saying: the Hindus are their r- real deep uh, enemies. By the way, the Pakistanis are Indians; they just happen to be Indians. The, <laughs> most of them are Indians. I'm talking about in you know, Sin Punjab. Uh, they just happen to be Muslims. They and that's been okay. They're Muslims, so the uh, some of the Muslim radicals can make common cause with them, but they still happen to be uh, happen to be ethnically uh, Indian. But to, to get back to what the, the the Taliban leadership is going to be up to, that is going to occur. You're gonna you're gonna see amputations and executions. They're already going on, and you'll see occasional, uh, you know, they're for display to show how radical they are, they'll find some uh, <clears throat> non-Islamic target, and they'll, they'll destroy it. I don't know what they're going to do this time. Maybe they'll go back and shoot at Bamiyan again, even though that really burned them. So that's what I mean, the Bamiyan effect. It's uh, They're, they're gonna, going to do that, and that's going to, they're solidifying their very small uh Islamic radical zealot base, but the rest of the country is, uh, you're not doing anything for us. And uh, so we may have to do something for ourselves. As Jim's outlined a situation <clears throat> where the, uh, the, 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 the ta- various Taliban factions could be in fighting internal guerrilla wars for the next 20, 30, 40 years. So. Well, we'll wrap it up there. And uh, it's good to hear from you guys. And we'll talk to you next time. Take care, Dan. Bye. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye.